This talk by Joan Sutherland, called Non-Duality is Shimmer, was given at Cerro Gordo Temple in Santa Fe, New Mexico, on April 12, 2012. Good evening, Bodhisattvas. In our um, work together in the last year, we have a couple of times come up against one of um, Buddhism's $64 words, which is non-duality. And that can be a a bit of an ice cliff of a word, (laughs) a little bit forbidding and a little bit abstract. So for the next two weeks, I'd like to talk about non-duality in a way that that perhaps will warm it up a bit for us and make it a bit more immediate. And that's by talking about non-duality as shimmer and flow. So tonight, shimmer. Um, When we think of non-duality, usually the first thing that comes to mind is a kind of oneness of all things which is true, and one of the implications of that oneness is a simultaneity of things. That there's not a a here and a then, there's not a cause and an effect, there's not a subject and an object, there's a simultaneity of things um, right here in the present moment. And um, one of the, the largest simultaneousnesses is this one that we often talk about between the different aspects of everything in the world and everything in ourselves as well. That everything is simultaneously of this world, material um, or energetic, but manifest, phenomenal, um, measurable. And at the same time, everything is empty, vast, eternal, not changing, not rising and falling, like the things of the phenomenal world. And everything is both of those things simultaneously. So that is the shimmering quality of everything, the non-dual quality of everything, like this, everything like this. Um, Simultaneously eternal, and impermanent in the beautiful technical language of Chinese Chan. Everything is both mysterious, that is to say, of emptiness, made of the vastness, and wondrous, manifest, phenomenal of the world. You gotta love a tradition whose technical terms are things like mysterious and wondrous. <laughs> So one of the ways that this um, came up recently was during the koan salon this spring. spring. We were talking about how uh, in, the, in the Mahayana view of, the, of what consciousness is like, there are these layers of consciousness, and the eighth layer of consciousness is called the alaya vijnana, the storehouse consciousness. It's the part of our consciousnesses, our awarenesses, that is the repository of everything that happens to us. Everything we experience, everything we know, everything we feel, everything we encounter 
falls like leaves into the Alaya Vishnana and is held there without comment, without story, just held. And again, um, a kind of miraculous quality in, in Mahayana thought here is that this place, the storehouse consciousness, the place that receives everything that happens to us and is able to hold it, is also simultaneously at exactly the same moment occupying the same space something called the Tathagata Garbha which is the womb of awakening the place where our Buddha nature resides if it can be said to reside anywhere and which is the source of awakening in us So, simultaneously the repository of all of our experiences and the very place where awakening is born and out of which it, um, it, it grows in us. So there's a simultaneity, there's a beautiful shimmer between the manifest nature of all of our experiences and the vast nature of Buddha nature and the fact that those two things are occupying exactly the same place at exactly the si- same time in each of us. One of the implications of this is that for each of us and for all of us, our awakening is already here. Our awakening is already here. It already exists in us, in the Tathagata Garbha. So we have a non-duality of the path and the goal. Awakening is not um, a path through, but rather a path, I'm sorry, awakening, our path is not to awakening, it's through the awakening that's already here. So we're not walking on the way to somewhere else. We're already walking through it. It's already all around us. So that means that if we don't know that, (laughs) if that's not vividly apparent to us in each moment of our lives, that's simply a problem of perception. We're just not seeing it yet. It's not a problem of what's actually so. It's not a problem of where we are um, because there's nowhere else to be. Awakening isn't somewhere else. And... The problem isn't so much that how we're seeing things is wrong, but it's incomplete. We're not seeing the shimmer of things. We're not seeing the simultaneity of emptiness and manifestation. And the solution from the tradition's viewpoint is awakening to that shimmer. Being awake to... um, steadily see both aspects of reality simultaneously. And it's never about choosing one or the other. It's never about, oh, there's this sort of messed up, deluded reality that we're all aware of, and then there's this other true or shining thing over there, and we're going to choose that. It's never about that. It's about seeing both of them simultaneously, seeing how it shimmers, and, um, and bringing that together into a one-whole thing that excludes neither of them. 
if if our um, challenge is that we tend to exclude, exclude the shining eternal aspect of things at just at the present moment, the solution is not to then go there and exclude the manifest phenomenal nature of things. It's to bring them together. So if the way is not about getting to enlightenment, but to see that it's already here, already complete and all around us. Um, This is a really radical reorientation of our lives. If we hold the getting to view, that we're, we're trying to get to enlightenment, we're trying to get to awakening, that has a subtle effect on how we view and um, see, experience the world. It puts a little bit of an instrumental cast on our way of relating to the world. And what I mean by that is, if the goal is to get to enlightenment, that means that whether we're aware of it or not, in some way we're judging everything based on whether it's good for that project or not good for that project. Is this getting me closer or is this keeping me further away? So that's, that's the, the, um, the effect of the getting to view. Does this help or does this hurt? Do I put this in the should do more of pile or the got to stop doing this pile? Right? If we um, see that awakening is already here, that we're walking not to it but through it, then everything is the thing itself. Everything is awakening itself already. That's very different (laughs) than um, an instrumental view of things. That's then wanting to come into relationship with everything because it is already awakening. As we talk together, one of the things that that people will say has been um, most marked in in their lives, the thing that has changed with the practice, is the taking on of um, of not knowing as a way of life. That the move from the axis of knowing about things, you come into a situation and the axis of knowing is I know, I don't know, but I should know. I have to know. Um, what am I going to do? I have no... You know, it's, a, it's an axis of my relationship to knowing, not my relationship to the event or the experience that I'm having. So I'm no longer in immediate relationship with the experience. I'm now in relationship to whether I know or not what to do in this experience. And if I don't know, what the heck am I going to do about that immediately? Um, so, so, so uh, if the first movement in in the way of not knowing is a move from that kind of either certainty of knowing or anxiety about not knowing, right? And that's somewhere we're all on that spectrum somewhere. Um, to the spaciousness of not knowing and being okay with that. I don't know. I can't know. 
I'm just, I'm new here. I'm just starting out. Um, one of the things we, we did for years was to, to imitate the Chan monastics who, when they greeted each other, used to greet each other with the words, I am not certain. But that's how they started the conversation. <laughs> so that's, that's the shift in not knowing, is you, your willingness to come into a situation saying, I am not certain, and then to discover what's going on. Um, when, when we do that, we can really see how much our focus on where we are on the spectrum of the certainty of knowing to the anxiety of not knowing shapes how we see reality. It, it's such a strong filter through which we, um, we see things and, um, and experience things and tell a story about how things are. But with not knowing, all of that drops away. All of those filters drop away. And we come, to use a word that's come up a lot in the koans lately, we come naked in some important way to the situation. We come willing in some important way to the situation. So our heart-mind is open, and we're not loaded up with lots of preconceptions. And when that's true, when our heart-mind is open and not loaded up with a lot of preconceptions, that's when the shimmer of things becomes visible. When we put all that stuff down, when we step out of knowing into not knowing, suddenly the shimmer is there. In our practice, whatever form forms that takes from sitting in the morning to going on retreat, we're doing a kind of fasting, less sensory input, um, less habitual behavior, um, less sleep, <laughs> less all of those things that we think are so important to us. And the purpose, one of the purposes of that fasting is to work with this openness and this not loaded upness. It's a way of, of trying to step away from being loaded with preconceptions. Um, and that's really important because if we hang out in fields where, um, where, where we, things are simpler, where we're not so loaded up, where things are more open, the shimmer does become easier to see. That's why we do that stuff so that we can see the shimmer. But it doesn't stop there. It can't stop there, because we have to be able to see that, to experience that in all the experiences of our lives, not just at the specially dedicated times where we're doing everything to make it most likely. We have to see it in every kind of condition and circumstance. If we don't make that move eventually having hung out in the field where it's easy to see the shimmer, if we don't make the move into um, taking that skill into the rest of our lives, what we've done is mistaken a practice for a worldview. The practice of fasting, the practice of withdrawing for a while, the practice of letting things get simple is so that we can see the shimmer of things. It's not an end in itself. And a mistake we can often make is to think, oh, that's the point. The point is to fast in, in all these ways we're talking about. The point is to withdraw. The point is to, um, to keep things extraordinary, extraordinarily simple. No, the point is to do that till you get good at seeing the shimmer and then walking out into life. <laughs> <laughs> 
and taking that with you. So when we do that, um, we see the second aspect of non-duality I wanted to talk about tonight. If the first one is, um, is, is the simultaneity of everything, the second one is the dreamlike quality of everything. And that's really basic Buddhism, right? The world is a dream or a mirage. But if, when I say that, we add to it the opinion that that's something negative, that it's something we have to wake up from, we're trapped in the dream, we're trapped in the mirage, we have to wake up, we have to see clearly. Um, if If we hold that view, which is pretty common, and that there's something truer above or below or behind or in front of or somewhere, you know, that we just have to get to. Um, It's another way of saying that what we see is true, just not all that's true, but it's got a lot of negative topspin on it. What if we looked at the dream not as a condition of delusion, a description of an illusion that we're experiencing and need to wake up from, but as a way of talking about um, the incredible quality of the shimmer of everything. So, Red Pine, who is a translator and commentator, said on the Lankavatara Sutra, and we looked at this a lot in the Koan Salon, Um, Red Pine said, in light of the Buddha's wisdom, the world doesn't exist. In the light of the Buddha's compassion, it doesn't not exist. So there's that simultaneity. Everything simultaneously exists and doesn't exist, depending on whether you're looking through the lens of compassion or the lens of insight. What could be more dreamlike than something that both exists and doesn't exist simultaneously. That's kind of the definition of a dream, isn't it? So, again, we're back at the shimmer. Exists, doesn't exist, simultaneously. And things are dreamlike, not in the sense that they're false or illusory, but in the sense that they're shimmering that they're mysterious, that they both exist and don't exist. That's a description, not a judgment. And again, that shift from seeing the world as a dream, as a description, rather than a judgment, is a huge shift. That the world is a dream is um, a description of a truth, not a description of an illusion. So, this way is called the middle way. And um, what that can mean is that we bring in the flashes of insight, the flashes of the moment when we see the part of the shimmer, when everything is eternal and radiant and unchanging. And we mix that with compassion, with our experience of the world, 
um, the complexity of the world, the heartbreaking and poignant and tender and unbearably beautiful qualities of the world. We mix those two things together in the middle way. And in that middle way, there's nothing about a happy medium. And there is certainly nothing about compromise. Let me find the compromise position, ever. Um, This way encourages us to push the envelope, to go to the far reaches of both sides, to go to the far reaches of insight, to have profound, shattering, life-changing experiences of the radiance and eternity of everything. And also to push the envelope to go as far as we can into um, our compassionate hearts in the world and to be willing to have our hearts broken over and over and over again. Not to shy away from that. So this is a middle way that is not about finding the eye of, in the hurricane where we can say stay, stay safe from all of the chaos swirling around us. It's not about finding a balance that doesn't move or is static. It's about realizing that the center is everywhere, pushing that center, that middle, out to include everything so that there is nothing that is not middle and nothing that is not center. And that is where we stand. We stand there aware of the simultaneity of all things and the dreamlike quality of all things and the shimmer of all things. Thank you. These talks are made available through your donations to Cloud Dragon, the Joan Sutherland Dharma Works. To learn more about her teachings and to make a tax-deductible contribution, please visit our donate page at joansutherlanddharmaworks.org.